Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Good morning, everybody. Hey, I'm so excited that I get to share with you today. It's a privilege to be able to do this. And uh, I want to start off with a little story. You good with that? Just looking for a little interaction. Good with that, right? Okay, thank you. Thanks for the thumbs up back there. Uh, so as we, I want to share a little story about my friend Amber. Amber and I worked together um, in Washington, D.C. A picture of Amber is going to come up on the screen. We were good friends. You know, Amber, uh, doesn't she look friendly? She looks super friendly, right? And so uh, she was a great friend. She's one of those people in the city who uh, did not own a car, so she walked everywhere. And uh, so, or she took the subway, the metro in Washington. And so uh, I mentioned that because there's this little quirky thing about my friend Amber. Amber and walking everywhere. Amber was vigilant. I use that word on purpose. Vigilant about obeying the cross, where you're supposed to cross the street, you know, the crosswalks. And so, you know what I'm talking about? The crosswalks where there's little white lines in front, and that's where you're supposed to cross the street, especially in the city. And so there were little, uh, little white lines, and that sign right there, one guy says you can go, and one guy says, you can't go. Like, you know, when it's orange and flashing, you're either supposed to hurry up. <laughs> That's what I would do. Or you're supposed to stop, right? And so Amber was very obedient to these signs. And I remember walking with her a couple different times when uh, <laughs> I would notice that no cars were coming. And so I would walk across the street. And I would recognize and realize Amber is no longer with me. She's back there. Because the sign did not say go. Like she, it was just too risky for her to walk across the street when the sign said that you couldn't. So are you a sign obeyer or do you go when the sign says no? Right? Do you see what I did there? Go when the sign says no? Come on! So I want us to think about what's our comfort level with taking risks. And so if that story doesn't work out for you, how about how risky are you with your food? Like when you go to a restaurant, do you go to a restaurant and order chicken tenders because you know chicken tenders are going to be good no matter where you go probably, uh, and that you, like, you don't stray very far from the chicken tenders. Or are you the person who orders something new on the menu, like steak tartare? I've been watching a lot of the Food Network, and they talk about steak tartare a lot. And so, all right, like, are you that person who would order that instead of chicken strips? Uh, a while it's been a while, but I had a group of friends where we would go to a restaurant and we would, I would order for the person on my right and then they would order the person for the person on their right and so like all around the circle. So when you got your food, it would be a big surprise. Woohoo! Yeah, no one will do that with me here except Pastor Andrew. Andrew will do it and I'm grateful for him for that. So which one are you? Are you a chicken strip guy or girl? Or are you a steak tartare person? hamburger, or you're a hamburger person. <laughs> 
So I give you those couple stories to consider this question. How much of a risk taker are you? Do you like to know what's coming? Do you like it to be a surprise? Do you recognize that when you take a risk, there might be a little bit of discomfort, there might be a little bit of a pain, but you are willing to take the chance anyway? So I want to transition just a little bit and dig a little bit deeper, and it's a more serious question. How much of a risk taker are you on people? Like when you think about people, that's a bigger deal, right? It's a bigger deal than crosswalks or food or whatever. How much of a risk taker are you on people? Because when you take a risk on a person, it might work out and it might not work out. Like, for example, here's something to think about. If you are in a dating relationship and you're a guy or a girl, do you base your decision on whether or not you're going to go out with that person, on whether or not they fit the 12 characteristics you wrote down in your journal at home about what your future spouse should be like? Or do you just not do that because they don't fit the, you know. My sister-in-law, uh, she, had, she was positive that she was going to marry a youth pastor. And she fell in love with my brother, who was a lawyer. <laughs> so not his, like, youth pastor, lawyer, not the same. And so uh, my sister-in-law broke up with my brother for about a week because he did not fit her list. Like, she was going to marry a youth pastor. And thankfully, uh, 30 years later and four kids later, I think she's glad she took the risk. My brother and sister-in-law were here last night, and John assured everyone in the room that she was glad she took the risk. <laughs> so it comes to this question. How do we decide that someone is worth the risk? The Bible, just so you know, lifts up risk-takers. Risk takers are honored in the Bible. In Hebrews 11, it's a chapter full of stories of faithful people. And many of them took risks on people. One of them uh, was Moses' parents. And it's in uh, Hebrews 11:23. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. In this time, uh, Moses' parents knew that the king had said every boy child that was born needed to be killed. And so they took a risk on their son, because had they been found out, they could have been killed. So if you go to Hebrews 11, there's all kinds of stories about risk takers, and uh, that's a good thing to read maybe later today. But I want to share one more that comes from um, the book of 1 Samuel, uh, chapter 25. There's a guy named Nabal, and Nabal makes a bad decision, and he makes King David angry. King David, you can read his story in 1 and 2 Samuel. So he makes him mad, and uh, King David is so mad that he gets 400 men with swords, and he's headed to Nabal, uh, basically, you know, to wipe him out. And so his wife, Nabal's wife, is a woman named Abigail. She knows her husband's kind of an idiot, and uh, 
Can I say that? I did say that. But uh, so she knows this about her husband, that he's going to get him into trouble, and she decides to take a risk. She's going to take a risk on David. So she jumps on a donkey, she takes a bunch of gifts, and she heads straight toward David, who's angry, and the 400 men with swords. And in 1 Samuel 25, this is what it says. It says, Abigail wasted no time. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey. She bowed low before him. She fell at his feet and said, I accept all blame in this matter, my Lord. Please listen to what I have to say. So Abigail saves the day because she took a risk on David. She took a risk hoping that David would be merciful and that David would understand. So God honors, he appreciates risk takers. And can I tell you who the greatest risk taker of all a risk taker on people is? It's Jesus Christ. Jesus left the comforts of heaven. He came to earth. He died on a cross. It was a horrible death on a cross for you and for me with hopes that we would turn to him. He's the greatest risk taker of all. So hold that thought. We're in our summer series on the book of Acts called Audacity, Bold Acts of the Early Church. And I have an audacious guy that I want us to talk about today. He took risks on people, and it was significant in advancing Christianity across the world. And his name is Barnabas. We're going to talk about Barnabas today. So our scripture for today, it's in Acts 9. It's the fifth book of the New Testament. It's about right here. You can grab that if you want to. It's also going to be on the screen. And just a little setup for this. I'll go into a few more details later about it. But Jesus had been killed. He'd risen from the dead. And all the disciples are declaring that Jesus is the Messiah. And so it's the start of Christianity. And there's a guy named Paul. We're going to talk a lot about Paul. Paul is... Uh, persecuting Christians. He's hunting them down, and he's taking them to prison. So Paul, not a nice guy, until he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. He has a dramatic conversion, and then he wants to tell everybody about Jesus. So that's where we're at when we pick up our story in Acts 9, 26 to 28. It says this, when he, which is Paul, Oh, by the way, just a little thing. Paul and Saul are the same person, interchangeable names. So sometimes we're going to read about Saul. Sometimes we're going to read about Paul. I'm going to talk primarily about Paul. So we're on the same page, right? You like Saul, Paul, interchangeable. Who's Saul? Paul. Who's Paul? Okay, you guys are so smart. I think you're smarter than the 830 service. All right, Acts 9, uh, 26. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. So when everyone else was skeptical, at the very least, and many people afraid of Paul, Barnabas goes to get him. And Paul becomes probably the greatest missionary of all time 
In large part, I think, because Barnabas took a risk and took a chance on him. So the title of our talk today is Take a Chance on Me. And the big idea that I want us to consider today is how do we become risk takers who advance the kingdom, of, the kingdom of God forward? And more importantly, how do we become risk takers on people and speak on their behalf so that the kingdom of God can be advanced? Taking risks on people is part of our journey as followers of Jesus. It was in the book of Acts, and it is today. So we should become pretty good at that. So uh, we're going to talk about how we can do that. And so I'm going to share a couple ideas that I have. But first, can we pray? Father God, Jesus, we want to become risk takers for you. I pray that you can use the example of Barnabas to teach us how to do that. And Jesus, we know that my words are few, but your words are many. So Jesus, we want to hear your words. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, two ideas about how we can be audacious risk takers. We can be audacious risk takers if we, and this is on your handout, if you want to fill that out, don't live in fear of what might happen. Don't live in fear of what might happen. Barnabas took a risk on a guy that was kind of scary, right? He, I want to share a little bit more. I really want you to understand why this was a big deal, why it was a big deal for Barnabas to take a risk on Paul. And so I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go back in time a little bit and share with you a little bit of the history. So as I said, Jesus had risen from the dead. He died on the cross, rose from the dead. The Jewish leadership are not handling this well, the start of Christianity. And so Christians are being persecuted. Followers of Jesus are being persecuted, and they're scattering. There was a guy named Stephen. Stephen becomes the first martyr. He was stoned to death uh, for his faith in Jesus. And uh, Paul was part of that. He was part of that stoning of Stephen. And so that's what's going on in Acts 8. It says, on that day, that's the day that Stephen was killed. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them into prison. So Paul is a guy who wanted to destroy the church. He wanted to kill the followers of Jesus. So Paul is the enemy of the disciples. You with me? And then he has this miraculous conversion. He decides he's going to follow Jesus. He believes that Jesus is who he said he is. And, oh, by the way, little aside... If you guys are following along in our reading plan, Acts 9 was last week, so you guys are up to date on the story. Hey, and it is not too late to get engaged with our reading plan. These little bookmarks should be on the seat in front of you. It is not too late to start. It's been really good. All right, so back to our story. Paul uh, is now telling people that they should follow Jesus too, and it's this dramatic turnaround. It's a hugely dramatic turnaround, and it's pretty hard for the disciples to take, right? I kind of I get it. Uh, it's too big a switch. It says in Acts 9, 21, all those who heard him 
were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc? Bless you. Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? It's the name of Jesus. And hasn't he come here today to take them prisoners to the chief priests? So that's the situation. People are not trusting Paul. So Paul ends up making his way to Jerusalem where the apostles are. And the apostles, they know Paul's reputation. I think, you know, he violently opposed the followers of Jesus. And now he's coming here and, and we're supposed to trust him? One thought that I had this week was, okay, so say they believe that Paul had now believed in Jesus. How do they forgive a guy who so violently, who wanted to put them into prison, he wanted to kill them. Perhaps he had put into prison one of their friends, one of their relatives. How do you forgive a guy like that? And that's where our scripture for today comes in. So that's the situation. That's who Paul is. That's why the disciples would react the way that they would react. And so in Acts 9, 26 and 27, it says, when, Paul, when Saul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. But Barnabas, that's my favorite part of this whole thing. But Barnabas. Well, the other disciples are afraid. Well, the other disciples are not trusting him. Barnabas goes to get him, and he brings him to the apostles, the the. The, the apostles, sorry. Maybe Paul hadn't really changed, right? But he does it anyway. He takes a chance on him. Here's something to fill in. Barnabas looked beyond Paul's past and saw the possibilities. He looked beyond his past and saw the possibilities. So, have you ever experienced this kind of thing in your life where someone spoke on your behalf when it really made no sense for them to do that? When I was in my 20s, uh, I was in a season of life where I was trying to figure out what is my next step? What's this next season going to look like? And during this time, I had five part-time jobs. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. Uh, I was trying different things out. Like I tried a little real estate. I tried this. I tried that. And uh, it was fun for a little bit, uh, but it didn't really pay the bills. And so um, I, about 18 months into this, I decided, okay, it's probably time for me to get a, a full-time job. And so I happened to be talking to my friend Bill and telling him that I, I knew I needed to do this. And uh, he said that his office was interviewing that I should come and I should interview for this job. Um, Bill happened to work for the member of Congress in our district at this time, and uh, he thought I should come and interview for this job. So let's think about that for a second. Uh, I have, I'm 28 years old, and I have five part-time jobs. <laughs> I'm not sure right off the bat that makes sense. But the other thing is, I am not political at all at this time in my life. You know, I was not up on current events. I didn't read the newspaper. Everything I knew about Congress had to do with Schoolhouse Rock, right? You know, how a bill becomes a law. That's what I knew. That was like my sweet spot, Schoolhouse Rock. 
I'm not, I'm not even kidding, but I interviewed with the five staff members in the Congressman's Michigan District office, and I remember that interview. I, it was only like 10 years ago, but um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but I remember that interview because it didn't make sense to any of them to hire me either. But Bill. Bill believed in me, and Bill spoke on my behalf. And it made a difference. He knew me, and he spoke on my behalf. And that, for some reason, the congressman hired me. <laughs> and I ended up moving to Washington, D.C. about uh, five months later, and it changed the direction of my life. You know, I had opportunities that I would not have had otherwise. God showed me things that he would not have had otherwise. Because Bill took a chance on me, someone seemingly unqualified. That's not unlike what Barnabas did here. Paul had a bad reputation. And Barnabas didn't only recommend it, but he went to get him. And he brought him and he put him in front of the apostles. He decided that God could use this guy and that he, he should take a risk on him. And hey, just a thought that I had while preparing this message. You know, Bill's voice was effective with the congressman because Bill did a good job. Because Bill was faithful. Barnabas' voice had weight because he had a good reputation. He was faithful and he was a leader. There's a verse in Acts 11.24. It says, Barnabas was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was strong in faith. There are other places in the scripture that say that Barnabas was financially generous to the church when it started out. He had a good reputation, and I think that mattered. Our reputations matter if our voices are going to have weight, especially when we're asking someone to take a risk on someone who might be a little scary to take a risk on. So you can write this down. Our good reputation can help open doors for others to be used by God. Barnabas played a huge role in Paul getting in the door. So for us, here's a challenge for us. We should work on our reputations we should make sure they're good. We should live in integrity. We should be faithful. We should be generous because it matters not just to us, not just for us. It matters for the people we're going to take a risk on. So that's the first point. We can be audacious risk takers if we don't live in fear of what might happen. And the second thing is this. We can be audacious risk takers if we focus on the positive if we, if we focus on the positive. I never know when to take a drink. I'm doing it now, just so you know. It always feels a tiny bit awkward, but it's fine. So we're going to go back to our scripture for just a second. Barnabas takes Paul to the apostles, and in Acts 9.27 it says, He told them how Saul had seen the Lord. And how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly. 
So Barnabas does not bring up Paul's history. He doesn't say, hey, remember, this is the guy who put all your relatives in prison and he wanted them to die. He doesn't bring that up. He doesn't bring up the violent opposition to um, Christianity. He focuses on the good stuff. He focuses on the things like, hey, you guys, this guy has an awesome testimony. You need to hear it. And you know what? I think he's sincere, so I really want you to meet this guy. And you know what else? This dude can really preach. You got to hear him preach, man. He focuses on the good stuff, and that is super helpful, right? Focusing on the negative doesn't really help so much. You know, (laughs) Jesus did this too. Not only did he take a risk on us when he came to heaven, but he gathered together a team of people, of 12 disciples, who I'm not sure made a whole lot of sense, right? He gathered fishermen. What the heck do fishermen know about the kingdom of God? Probably not that much, but you know what? They worked really hard. They were hard workers. He picks Peter. Peter's a hothead, right? We see all these places in the scripture where Peter says stuff he shouldn't say, and he blurts things out. But he picks Peter, and he calls him the rock of the church because Peter's a leader, and that's what Jesus focuses on. He picks Matthew. Matthew is a tax collector. Everybody hates tax collectors, but he picks Matthew. Maybe Matthew, probably Matthew was really good at details, but Jesus saw something in him and he took a risk. He took a risk on those disciples. He focused on the good. So if we go back to Barnabas, this is why I love Barnabas. Barnabas takes a risk on another person later in the book of Acts. So Paul and Barnabas are sent out on a, basically it's a mission trip. So it's a 1,300-mile mission trip, and they're sent out to share the gospel with the rest of the world. They're going to start some churches. And so at the start of the journey, they pick up a guy, a young guy named John Mark. And John Mark happens to be Barnabas's cousin, and he comes along with them. And we find out, it's in Acts 13, uh, that John Mark left. It doesn't say why John Mark left. We just know that he left. And so uh, later, Barnabas wants to bring him along again on the second journey, second mission trip that they're going to take. And this is what Paul has to say about that. This is in Acts 15. And it says, Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Good idea. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and he left. So John Mark was a deserter, and Barnabas wants to pick him up and take him along again. And Paul, Paul's a pretty pretty solid no. He's like, the dude deserted us before. He's going to do it again. It was super annoying the first time. Why would we take him again, right? I had to carry all my own bags after he left. No, I don't know that that's what he said, but maybe. Uh, But Barnabas. Barnabas is ready to take a chance on John Mark. Not unlike how he took a chance on Paul when no one else wanted to. 
even if it meant not traveling with them anymore. You know, I know this doesn't always work out, right? Well, we'll take a chance on a person, we'll take a risk on a person, and they let us down, and they disappoint us. It has happened to me. I'm confident it's happened to many of you. Maybe even this week, that's happened to you. It, it's hard. It's hard to do, and we can learn from those things. But my point is this, if we focus so much on the negative stuff, if we focus on their negative past, or if we focus on their not very good reputation, or we focus on their lack of experience, I think we're missing out. We're missing out. Some of us are so focused on the negative that we cannot possibly see the good. We eliminate a person without even seeing how God might be able to use them. We eliminate them without even considering how they might have changed or what. Yeah, you get it. We miss it when we focus on all the negative. And I know sometimes it's work to focus on the good. It is hard work to focus on the good stuff sometimes. But I think it's the best work, maybe, it's the best work that we can do. Taking risks on people costs us something. It costs Barnabas something. He's separated from Paul. Paul goes one way, Barnabas goes another way. We don't know. We don't hear about Barnabas again in Scripture. We don't know that they reconciled. It's a cost. But taking risks on people costs us sometimes. You can write this on your handout. Taking a risk on a person might cost us something, but God might do something amazing. God just might do something amazing. So we don't hear from Barnabas again, but we do hear about John Mark. Here's a couple of things about him. John Mark reconnects with Paul. Later, there's a couple verses that I want to share that show us that. The first one is in Colossians 4.10. It says, uh, this is Paul talking, My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Paul says, welcome him. And then in 2 Timothy 4, this is the last book that Paul would ever write. It says, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. So Paul, who was only looking at the negative before, he's, John Mark's on his team now. He says, welcome him. He says he's helpful. John Mark also ends up connecting with Peter. We see that in Acts. And uh, historians say that the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, is written by this guy, this John Mark. He becomes influential. Imagine if you would, what if Barnabas had not taken a chance on John Mark? What if Barnabas had not taken a chance on Paul? You know, as I was uh, getting this message ready, someone said to me, what's so special about Barnabas? This is what's so special about Barnabas. He took a chance on people that no one else would, and it changed the world. 
13 books of the New Testament are written by the Apostle Paul. One gospel, one of four gospels, is written by John Mark. These people that Barnabas took a risk on. Can you imagine if he hadn't? And we that's over half of the New Testament, by the way. It changed the world. Can I share one last story with you? I'm going to do it no matter what you say. <laughs> but it's nice to ask permission. Um, at our Vineyard Community Center, uh, I want to share with you a story of one of the kids who has come there. And he told me that I could share the story. He asked me not to share his name, so I won't do that. But we'll call him Billy. Uh, so Billy, we've been open since last, late September. And he came pretty much from the beginning. And I have to tell you, at the beginning, not so pleasant was Billy at all. Uh, Billy would come into the community center and he wouldn't look at anyone and he had a bad attitude and he had his hood over his eyes and uh, not that pleasant. He, get, he got kicked out of school a lot. He smoked a lot of marijuana. He, uh, he cussed a lot. He cussed, I, I've rarely been cussed out the way I was cussed out by Billy. Twice. We tried to have him come here to our vineyard student ministry and that did not work out. But we saw something in him. God helped us to see something in him and we decided to take a risk. We decided to make an investment in him. And so uh, Seth, who's our assistant director at the community center and Pastor Cameron, they took him out to lunch several times. And Seth would knock on his door multiple times and often Billy would blow him off, but there were occasional times conversations could happen. We allowed him to come into the community center, even though we know he was smoking weed in the bathroom. <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? Uh, eight months later, this summer, I have to tell you, Billy is a different kid. He's a different kid. He comes to the community center almost every day. He's helpful. He's even kind to little kids. He smiles. He looks you in the eye. He stopped smoking weed, you guys. Come on. That's a big deal. It's a, yeah, you can clap about that. It's cost something, by the way. It's, you know, we have to pay for those lunches. Uh, it's time cost. It's emotional cost. I've cried about Billy. Seth has cried about Billy. But it's been worth it. It's been worth it to take a chance on him. So my question for all of us, for myself included, is this. Who will I take a chance on this week? My guess is if you ask God for a minute, he's going to bring somebody to your mind right now, a name or a face. So what are you going to do about it? Are you going to reach out one more time? Are you going to invite that person to church one more time? Are you going to forgive one more time? Who are you going to take a chance on this week? How are you going to risk for them? Pastor Steve's going to come up. Why don't you stand and we'll close. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.